Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, the weekly update every Friday at this time. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us Friday morning for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Oh, we've got an amazing, crazy world, don't we, that we could talk about for hours and hours. Hundreds of rockets have fallen this week on Israel, Malcolm. Everyone starts to question did the ground offensive end too early? Is the Prime Minister of Israel going to have to call troops in to actually go into the ground in Gaza? What update could you give us about the way that Israel has responded to the hundreds of rockets this week? Well, Israel responded immediately and forcefully uh, and in a very effective way took out three of the top military leaders, which is a big blow to Hamas. And uh, you saw the reaction, you've seen the reaction uh, to it uh, internally, let alone externally with the firing of missiles and threats, and et cetera, that uh, have emanated from Hamas and, and their spokespeople. But so far they have supposedly executed about 18 people whom they claim are collaborators, i.e. people who have worked as suspected informants for Israel, or uh, in other ways assisted Israel or, or held connections. Uh, they killed seven just in the afternoon near uh, a mosque in Gaza City as people were, were ending the midday prayers. So as far as we know now, the total is at least 18. Wow. Uh, this is often used to settle political uh, squabbles and personal uh, uh, fights and, and conflicts, but it's... Um, you know, they go in, they pull people out of the house, and they and they just kill them. Yeah. And they, they shoot them in, in publicly in the streets, and this has created reaction. And then the U.N. and the, and the Palestinians, and the numbers count them as victims of, of uh, Israeli bombing. Are you I mean, it's, like yeah. counting, it's like counting the suicide bomber among victims of an attack, you know? Exactly. Yeah, break. So they, they do. Israel, uh, obviously, is reluctant to send groups in, uh, troops in on the ground, that might be subject to, yeah. you know, further attacks. They, they do not think that, uh, obviously, that there are tunnels that they need to take out. One can only uh, imagine how the Israeli government is, is is questioning that whole act, whether they should go in or not. It's Look, it's an ongoing debate. You <sighs> see even guys from the left complaining that Israel's not being tough enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that that's a fair uh, judgment, and I think all the people here who can pontificate and easy to debate, but when you're in the chair and you have to issue that call-up order, you know, now they're talking about 10,000 more reservists being right. pulled back. Think of the disruption in their lives. Think of, think of what, what the economic impact, and what it does to the businesses they work for, yeah. let alone to, to them. So it's not an easy decision just to call up people or God forbid to have to send them in. Again, when they obviously still have targets and options, there's still 3,000 rockets in, in the hands of Hamas by the estimates, and they do manufacture more locally, not the, the long-range ones that uh, today they fired at Tel Aviv again, yesterday even at Jerusalem, which is a very brazen move, particularly brazen, given the potential for hitting a holy site. But Hamas, like ISIS, do not respect them. They, they don't believe that there should be any monuments. They don't believe there should be things, but they don't care. They're but, not 
but that's the whole but that's the whole point and the um it's difficult enough to analyze what Israel has to do. I feel bad asking you to, to analyze the strategy of the enemy. But so, so this whole Cairo peace talks and these ceasefire discussions, is this all a charade, a game that Hamas and those who represent them have to play as they continue to, to toss barrages of rockets at Israel? Look, it's competition for their future. There is, uh, there is competition even amongst extremists and terrorists. Uh, for dominance, they know that there was a very negative reaction amongst the people of Gaza, and those who expressed it uh, do so once, but they, they do know that, <laughs> that amongst the people there is a, a reaction. And remember that Hamas is still in a battle against Abbas over control, and the talk of Abbas coming back only exacerbates that, and the talk of European and other Troops coming in. I mean, they want to eliminate the PA or not? Does Hamas want to eliminate the PA? They want to replace the PA. Which means they don't want the PA to exist anymore. They w- Hamas will be well, in charge of everything. PA, in- it should be a Hamas PA. Right. Hamas will be in charge of everything they in would- Gaza and everything and in the... talking again about, and there are negotiations going on again about the two coming together, sharing power. I mean, we've seen some of these things. But look at where their leadership is. You have leadership in, Ga- in Qatar and the Qatari government pressing them not to agree to any ceasefire that comes from Egypt because Egypt has excluded them from Turkey, where you saw the announcements by Aruri this week where they took credit for the kidnapping of three uh, boys, said that they're behind it, um, that, that yeah, so, and they're in Turkey, where, which is also angry at Egypt for being excluded from the process and would like to play a regional role, and uh, we'll talk about it, but we've seen also the changes in Turkey this week uh, with the election of uh, the, the new head of the Justice Party, who becomes the prime minister, was the former foreign minister, is even more extreme than uh, Erdogan in many, in many respects, and much more, and even more dangerous. So they have based in Turkey, based in Qatar, they have uh, obviously based they have uh, people operatives in, in Sinai and in Egypt, uh, as well as uh, the West Bank so- and in Jordan. Now, so, yeah, they sorry. have cells in, 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 in dozens of cities. And that was revealed when you saw this um, coup attempt that was uncovered by Israel. And they, they were in more than a dozen cities. They arrested 93 people. The first target, by the way, was going to be Harabai at the Temple Mount. But the goal was to overthrow Abbas in the West Bank, meaning that they would take over the PA in the West Bank and link to Gaza. Their second target was to create an intifada against Israel again, the third intifada. They thought that that would be uh, triggered and the, to uh, impose their doctrine on the, on the Palestinians on all sides. And, and when they you recruited s- students who were chemistry students, engineering students in Jerusalem, Nablus, um, Hebron, Ramallah, Everywhere, but when you say Temple Mount, that would have been the symbolic place of their of their takeover, so to speak. That would have been no. They wanted to create explosions and things, which of course they would blame on Israel. But that was to be at the place of attack. So you would have the demonstrators up on the Temple Mount, as we saw during the Intifada, again throwing stones, shooting, etc. From there, but to, to what benefit? I mean, why? No, this would be part of trying to arouse a third, the third Intifada. And to to manifesting the violence, the violence that would be manifest 
uh, throughout the region. Right. In other words, essentially, essentially, they need an intifada not just against Israel, but against anyone Israel cooperates with, like the PA, etc. Like they have to, they have to eliminate any ally of anyone who seems to be aligned with Israel. Right. And they want to get the money. And I'm sure the Qatar told them, "You guys better take control if you want, you know, to keep getting all the dough from us." And by the way, why do we, you know, take this from the average guy like me? Why is it that we never hear Qatar for years, and all of a sudden they're in the news everywhere? Had they, had they, get, had they become a player in all of this? You heard them every day. You heard of Al Jazeera. That's them. That's them. One Arab, as many Arab leaders have said to me, actually, it's a it's a country built on a television station. Uh, you know, they have only money. They have, they don't produce. The people are not productive. But they have adopted more and more an extreme position because it's a competition between Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Their foreign policy is anything that's anti-Saudi. They are also trying to establish themselves and having a role. And the United States uh, has, in some respects, uh, encouraged that. And especially now that we're talking about an $11 billion arms sales to Qatar, which should not be happening. Uh, we have a base there. They they were a good friend. I visited Qatar a number of years ago. So what happened? How'd they get so radical? It uh, it turned, and now the young, the son of the emir took over, and it, he who who was a big hope because everybody thought you know a young guy, Western educated, would be different. The fact is, he isn't different, and his father still really uh, controls what's going on. So the, so the Saudis look at them the same way they look at Iran, the same way they look at Syria. They hate them with such a deep passion. Uh, but what we know, the, the Qataris were supposedly threatened Mashal this week about if he went along with this Egyptian proposal for a ceasefire. By the way... Was, right, that's why I say... That but that was, well, by the way, the side effect of that, again, reportedly, is that when Mashal called Mohammed Deef to tell him about the Egyptians and, and asked about reacting to the ceasefire offer... It's how Israel was able to trace where Muhammad Deep was. Wow. Is he gone or not? Yes. He is gone? No. He <laughs> is gone or not. Right. <laughs> He's one of them. <laughs> but but we, we really have no... In other words, there's evidence that his wife and kid were killed. We don't know if he was. The father... The... Uh, the the daughter, the wife and daughter were killed in the in the bombing. This guy has escaped death more times. So he might have escaped again, you're saying. It's possible. And they haven't produced the, the body. There right. were announcements made shortly thereafter. So, so, so Mashal calls Deef, and that's the phone call that Israel's able to intercept? They intercepted the call. We're able to trace where he was. <laughs> Unbelievable. That is uh, reportedly the... the um, uh, you know how how they were able to right to and and if Mashal is under so much pressure not to participate in these talks and not to agree to any type of ceasefire then then what is the value potentially of any ceasefire that's reached it's ridiculous they they break it at a moment's notice as we as we've seen them do well here you have the difference between the guys on the ground the guys who are in Hamas facing in in, in uh, Gaza facing the rockets and those who are outside who live in the luxury of the uh, Qatari hotels and you know, bars and all the facilities, um, and and there is a, a real fight between the outside and inside. As you remember, there was between the guys in Tunis and Fatah and Arif, you know, Arafat, the guys who are outside and the guys who are inside who have to answer to people and have to live with the right. consequences more, Good point. more directly. Um, but we're also seeing that Al-Aqsa of Fatah, you know, the Al-Aqsa brigade right. that you didn't hear about for a long time, right. now is is fighting again. They they listed 30 att- uh, attacks that they participated in in since uh, mid-July last month, month and a half. And uh, so there's a competition for 
extremism. I mean, who, who's killing more people? Who's who's engaged? Because they feel that to be relevant, you have to be part of that process. You have to be showing that you're also uh, killing Jews. Uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at ninety one. Point nine on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Malcolm Honeline is with us. We discuss the events of this week. Um, there, remind us, Malcolm, there have been times over the last few years where in a, in a period of days or weeks, hundreds of rockets have been, uh, you know, have, have been, uh, shot Israel's way. This is not, in other words, I know it's a little different now because coming off of what just happened during the summer, but there have been times where Israel's citizens have had to tolerate these types of attacks without a really strong response from Israel. All one needs to do is to go to Stay Road and see the missile museum, which is just stacks and stacks and stacks of the remnants of rockets that were fired at them. My point being that Israel does not necessarily have to step it up. They could try to deal with this the way they've done in the past through the Air Force, through airstrikes, and I guess through some type of negotiation. By stepping it up, you mean going in? Yeah, Israeli ground forces. Yeah, but but the infrastructure, as was shown, so much of it requires more. Now, they do have good intelligence, and they have plenty of sites. When they start running out of sites now, and, and also remember, they are manufacturing. Look what the Iranians boasted this week about how they taught them to build rockets and gave them technology and assistance. So some of the M302, the long-range ones, were made in Syria and by Iran, via Iran, were given to the Palestinians. But the, mass, the vast majority of the rockets that they're now firing locally, uh, they claim, have been made and manufactured in those underground tunnels and are mm. continuing to be uh, manufactured. So Israel, at some point, is going to have to take out that underground infrastructure, which you cannot do by air. And the um, uh, so Israel's also constrained somewhat by... I think the international community, and by trying to maintain support and, and understanding, including from the United States, which has been supportive of Israel's right to defend itself this week and of its right to uh, hit back. And Would you be shocked if they go in the next two weeks? No, I would not. You would not be. All right, so it looks like that's where we're heading. Um, not to scare anybody, we're still going to maintain our policy to encourage people to keep their trips to Israel exactly where they are on the calendar because uh, as difficult as things are in certain areas, there's plenty of areas we can enjoy time in Israel. Did you see the estimate? I saw it just this morning. I don't know if it made the New York Times, but it's on their website. Did you see the estimate of the uh, number of dead in the Syrian conflict, according to the United Nations? 191,000, I think. I mean, 191,000? And nobody says a word. And that's an estimate. And, and it, it, the numbers are always much higher because those are only verified bodies, counts that they can uh, justify. And the number is well over 200,000 by now. In addition, I mean, we are seeing what, what is being done to Christians and the numbers of people, the thousands being killed by ISIS, brutal, horrific murders, beheadings uh, in both Syria and, and uh, Iraq. And we have to be remember that Hamas, as the Prime Minister points out all the time, is a sister city. I mean, they a sister group of these of these crazies. They're just as crazy. They kill. They kill children. You know, they may not do it by slitting the throats because they can't get close enough. But if they could, they would. And the um, uh, you know the nature of the enemy 
that is being fought. We, we should never lose sight. These are, are driven people driven by extremist ideologies. There are pragmatic people, perhaps amongst them, who you know want a little lesser bloodshed so that they you know don't have the whole international community. You know, Iran had a, a uprising in one of the prisons this week, and they executed 17 people. They were hanged in the prison. Um, they have verified all of them, but the number seems to be pretty good. What's interesting is that it brings to over 800 people who were summarily executed in Iran by this moderate regime of Rouhani. <laughs> Since last August, more than 800 people executed. That's much more than under Ahmadinejad. And this is, includes secret, uh, does, uh, um, secret killing of prisoners, women, minors. I mean, they take 16-year-olds and they hold them in jail till they're 18, and then they execute them. It's unbelievable. It's barbaric. And and then ISIS today, or ISS, or ISIL, as different people call them, different stages of their development, talks about sleeper cells in the United States and how they've been able to infiltrate into the United States. Uh, I mean, I don't know whether they really have sleeper cells, but they. But we we know now, uh, according to reports this week that there are 12,000 foreign fighters in Syria. You know how long I've talked to you about this subject, how we warned for years. Yeah, but I thought you were about to say the United States. One second. And um, there are at least 100, they admit, but I will tell you, I bet it's more than 200 who are fighting in Syria. People from 50 countries carrying foreign passports, which means they have entrees, they don't need to have foreign cells. They can send back these guys who will wreak havoc. The, the British admit that there are 500 now with British passports. The French, probably eight, 900. You, and, and they can also come to the United States, by the way, because of our visa arrangements with these countries. So I, I don't know that my point is that sleeper cells may not be necessary in the same way. even Because you have the sure free travel. Right. We know that they do. There's a new book right. that just came out about all of their activities that we've talked about, you know, the illicit cigarettes, drug trafficking, right. et cetera, et cetera. In America, when you read this by a professor, Louis Shelley, it's coming out, I think you can get it on Amazon already. Believe me, it'll be a wake-up call to know you don't need foreign yeah. cells. These it's guys a, are it's, operating. It's a small world, and the terror world is just as small. <laughs> the the, the e easy traffic back and forth. Oh, absolutely, and and she shows the maps that we, we have talked about, uh, how, how, by the way, it's the reverse of the of the uh, slave trade. So it goes from Africa to Europe via um, uh, Western Africa and through South America into the United States. And, and you can see clearly how, how these guys, uh, how they operate. And who, who gets called then to the International Criminal Court? Who gets threatened <laughs> with war crimes charges? Israel, the one country that's fighting all these things, has been in the forefront. The one that loses soldiers because of how careful they are not to harm civilians. Exactly, and and the uh, by the way, the United States said this week that they would not let it go to the ICC. That they said they couldn't see any circumstance where they wouldn't veto a measure if the Security Council tries to refer Israel. Uh, but on the other hand, we have this. I thought that decision wasn't going to be made until the probe was finished in March. Right, but they, they were asked the question yesterday, State Department. Oh, and they said emphatically that they will not do it? They said we cannot see the circumstances. Ah, gotcha. The word under which they would do it, which right. was essentially saying, and they said they, but that they warned Abbas that this would undo, undermine anything that he's trying to do or with them, and that, uh, uh, 
you know, and then you have a commission of inquiry by the Human Rights Council of the UN. The general UN session is coming up, right? The UN General Assembly starts in uh, mid-September. Is this going to? The Security Council is going to meet, and we think the Europeans are going to put forward a resolution for another uh, ceasefire. Is this what's going to dominate that whole session, Israel? Is that good? Um, I think you got Ukraine, you have Syria, you have Iraq. I think ISIS uh, will be more. They would like to see this issue out of the way, and they would like to see it. Yeah, well. Because you know, they have so much on their plate, they can't handle one, let alone all these things uh, simultaneously. I know that you've addressed it because you spoke about the brutal killings, etc., but maybe there's an additional point to be made. What, what do we in the United States need to learn from this James Foley episode? Well, unfortunately, they're holding other people, too, uh, which we'll discuss at another time. Uh, God willing, it'll be a good outcome, but it's a very delicate and difficult situation. Uh, but if you, you, number one, you see the brutality of these people, the cold-blooded murder. And the first thing that should come to people's mind is Daniel Pearl. Right. What happened to him and how he died and what a hero he was and the way he died and expressing his commitment to his Jewish faith and his Jewish uh, ancestry and their role in Israel, etc. And the, the, and the fact that this guy was supposedly a very sympathetic uh, reporter, according to some of the descriptions uh, of it, but it doesn't matter to them because it's, it, they will kill their own, they will kill others, they, they have no restrictions uh, on what they do. Uh, and the threats, and when they make these threats, you have to take them seriously. And, and they have allies. You know, the new, as I said, the new foreign minister in Turkey is really an extremist uh, uh, Islamist, uh, as bad as the prime minister is. Um, he had no problem with he had no problem with Foley's beheading. Did you see the condemnations? Have we seen the statements? Where's the outrage? Where's the and 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 what they've done in Mosul, what they've done to these, these, what they've done to others, hardly an outcry from the world. You know, we scream when they don't care about Israelis and dead Jews. Think of what these guys have, and and now we see reports that in Syria they have hundreds of portable anti-aircraft missiles. These guys will have no compunction about shooting down, you know, flights over Turkey, flights over Syria, Jordan, anywhere they want. Uh, and this is the true nature being ex- uh, expressed. And the world sits by, and 200,000 people can be killed, and all they focus on is Israel. Where do you see the BDS demonstrations in equivalence versus, uh, you know, products coming from West Bank, Syria, any place else? W- where do you see them blocking ships or shipments from these companies, uh, countries like we see against them in California, which, right. by the way, did unload. Yeah, we saw that. And we've seen the demonstrations before there, but it's the message. It's And then on campuses, we saw a Jewish kid beat up on a temple because he dared challenge some of these guys in their criticism of Israel, asking why they don't criticize the others and why where, where's the criticism about Syria. I mean, it's... it's. Um, Do you include the United States when you say that the condemnation was not there when it came to Foley's murder? No, the United States, uh, I think... Uh, so the White House responded properly, you're saying? Properly, I mean, it was limited things. The question right. is, you know, what could have been done earlier? And now we learn that they had a an attempted rescue, and though it didn't work out, I right. don't think criticism. How did that remain silent for so long? That was unbelievable. They had, they had a whole, I saw the whole description. I don't know why it had to come out now. I mean, why why do you have to tell them anything about what you do? You should just do it. And 
these things, you know, they can write books about it later on. But while you have ongoing drama... And better intelligence about his location, and it may have worked. I mean, it was a... It was a uh it was a yeoman's effort, as they say. It, it was, yeah. But, but you know, people, I guess they, one of the reasons they keep it quiet is because they don't want comparisons to Jimmy Carter's failed attempts right. and to others, and it's an embarrassment to the administration or to uh, people. Didn't I think it's not? I think we know what we're dealing with. We know how how difficult it is with terrorist uh, organizations. And you look at all the countries in the region; have no people really to rely on. You know, Iran yesterday dismissed the minister of science, even though Rouhani tried to. Defend them because the parliament felt he was too supportive of pro-Western voices in universities. Where did you see one protest, one comment about it coming from any official? By the way, one of the issues that I know everybody was calling and writing about this week about whether the United States held up weapons, didn't hold up weapons. Yeah, we spoke about that last week, right? No, but yes, but they, then there was this new right. arrangement. That arrangement no longer exists. The shipment's gone through. We're back to where we were before. Yeah, what they call it, they, there was an extra step, right? There was like an extra right, step a in the process. Uh, right, level, <laughs> an additional level that is not going to be uh, in, in place. All right, that's good news. We still have a friend in the world, thank God. And that is good news. And, you know, we, we have friends. You saw that 20,000 people demonstrated in Calcutta, India, in support of Israel. 20,000 Hindus and Buddhists came out in support uh, of Israel. And I will tell you that there's more support also in Syria, in um, Saudi Arabia, in, in Egypt, in the Gulf states, in Jordan. I love the videos I'm seeing of Arabs who live in Israel who are uh, becoming more vocal, frankly. Some of them on both sides of the right. issue, by the way. No, but I'm, I, yeah, I'm talking about pro-Israel. I know, but I'm right. saying they're vocal on both sides of the issue. You've had others who have come out very... Think, I, just think of the courage it takes. I know. For an Israeli Arab... I'd hate this term Israeli-Palestinian. Right. It's going to have very bad implications in the future. But Israeli-Arabs, uh, and a woman who has two sons in the army, or yeah. a son and a daughter in the army, to say that Israel should continue and should fight hard, and she has to go back to a community. You know, there are people who can't stay in their houses, or somebody whose son tweeted in favor of Israel. They wouldn't let him buy a house in the neighborhood. I mean, and they harassed them. So this is a very courageous move when when people do this. It's not something we should take for granted. Uh, I know that this is not really your issue because, frankly, if people wanted to gather by the hundreds of thousands in this country, you would only encourage everybody to do so. Uh, but we know about the you know the, the the height of the war so far was was you know in the middle of the summer there was a pretty big demonstration in New York we've pointed out all the demonstrations have gone on around this country in support of Israel if we're going to look at it in a positive way we have to acknowledge that a lot of it was very positive and well attended but the dream of some people to gather hundreds of thousands together in one location in this country is likely not to become more realistic now that the summer months are leaving us, right? Even as we get into the regular season, so to speak, it, it doesn't look like we'll be able to put together a group like that to demonstrate together on behalf of Israel. Well, the, the question is whether it will be judged to be the most appropriate and effective way, but it becomes more likely because now that schools are back, right. kids are back from camp and, and universities are back, you have students who are available who make up a, often a large part of the of the participation, so it may make it more likely. If and God willing, we won't need it. And people have to understand that when you do events in certain places, 
you have to have really big numbers or it'll be judged a failure. You see how the mm-hmm. media distorts or misrepresents and how they try to play up constantly divisions between Israel and American Jewry. The fact that we've had hundreds and hundreds, maybe six, eight hundred events around the country has has blunted that because people saw at the local level thousands of people coming out and that you were able to mobilize many more people, I mean ten times more people perhaps than a single event would have by virtue of the fact that we've had the proliferation of events with members of Congress uh, participating. Congress coming back now, and they only have like ten days now in session. Um, so we have a lot of, of focus on that and work that has to be done with that and fighting the BDS on campuses and being there for the students in every campus where this is um, manifest or what we saw in England with the kosher products being removed from it was from one store and it was restored and they issued an apology. So people should keep it in context, but it's, it's uh, the, the reflex reaction is what should be of, uh, of concern. And a lot of these things... an issue that's going to grow here in the United States. We're seeing more and more manifestations. It is not caught on. It is not having a real economic impact. And you know that Israel today stopped shipments, or yesterday, of dairy and meat, uh, poultry products to Western Europe from the uh, West Bank, from the Shtachim, uh, because of the new regulations that uh, Europe put in place. Um, what's going to be with the... Uh, what will make the rocket stop falling? Is it going to be more likely Israel taking stronger action, or is there going to be a negotiated uh, um, ceasefire in the next couple of days? The two ways it can stop is one is domestic pressure, but you see how Hamas deals with domestic reaction, and people are so intimidated. Although courageously, after the fighting ended, many people spoke up, and and especially journalists, which we haven't talked about really about how the journalists who came out in the last week or so have uh, exposed the reality of what they were subjected to. And despite uh, the New York Times raising questions about whether the the charges are true. It certainly seems evident from people, many countries, and the Foreign Press Association itself in Israel, made up of people from 32 countries, not Israelis, um, how strong their condemnation uh, was of the harassment and the things that people were uh, subjected to. Uh, so number one way to stop is, is if the people themselves get so fed up that they, and the Hamas sees that they're paying a price. Two is if Israel eliminates the leadership completely of Hamas, the danger of that, and when people keep saying, why don't they just kill everybody <laughs> over the leadership, you got to think of who will fill the vacuum. ISIS is active in, in, in Gaza. They're waiting on the sidelines, and uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad has a significant infrastructure, a wholly owned subsidiary of Iran. So the other alternative is a negotiated uh, ceasefire that lasts some sort of arrangement whereby... Um, Israel's the borders are are protected, and Israel is not going to rely just on on Europeans again who ran away the last time, and the proposals that they'd be in charge. They, I think they're relying very heavily on Egypt's role, and Egypt is doing it not just uh, not for Israel, but because its interests coincide with Israel in assuring that that um, uh, the Hamas is not able to you know come out of the ashes and rise again, and and they see it as a bigger threat to Egypt than to Israel. Well, if we read between the lines, it sounds like uh, things may get a little rougher before they get any better. It could be, and, and, you know, Hamas doesn't think in rational terms. Hamas doesn't have to worry about the infrastructure. 
It doesn't worry about civilian casualties. They welcome civilian civilian uh, casualties. They uh, continue to show the you know the weapons and show that the bravado and what they're able to do. And uh, and in the meantime, when people get killed because of them, and when when the infrastructure of Gaza is destroyed, and they're talking about six billion dollars in damage. Look, Israel did an amazing job. You know, people don't necessarily see the results or are able to quantify them properly. But the IDF and the IAF, very effective, and as we learn, a 50-50 ratio at, at worst, meaning between civilians and uh, Hamas uh, operatives, so probably 900 of them were killed, and Israel's identified them by name, that the <clears throat> numbers given out by Hamas were false, that it was a much lower number of people killed, uh, and despite the fact that everybody buys 82% civilians all that, it is not true. Uh, that the uh, Air Force did such amazing pinpoint hits. Unbelievable. Despite the pictures you see, when you look at it relative to to what really occurred, and we don't know still how many of those, we learn about more of the destruction and killing of people due to errant missiles fired by Hamas that landed, almost 500 of them, in Gaza. Has the frenzy of European aliyah subsided? It was never a frenzy. I think it was uh, pretty systematic. The numbers are much higher than usual, but they're not overwhelming. You don't have a panic uh, fleeing of thousands at a time, but there are, I think from France this year, five or 6,000 people going out of the yard. From England, some more from other countries. Uh, people leave to other, to, to uh, United States, Canada, Australia, et cetera, also. Uh, but it's also, but it's not just Jews who are leaving. It's non-Jews who, who leave too and find the situation intolerable. I'm going to be going to visit Scandinavian countries to meet the governments and speak at parliaments and to heads of state, arranged, by the way, by non-Jews. So you'll be in Sweden? I will be in Sweden as well and other Denmark, other countries. Well, I mentioned Sweden only because they made the news that they had to cancel a demonstration that was pro-Israel because of the pressure that was being put on them. And there have been a whole series of events. You know, a city like Malmo, the Jews literally had to flee could not stay there anymore. And we know that uh, there was a demonstration in Denmark this week of people wearing yarmulkes and stars of David, non-Jews, by the way, marching together with Jews through uh, sections, city Muslim sections, uh, over the fact that Jews should not have to feel intimidated and that Jews, as they said, you know, are, are full citizens. And When is this trip? Uh, I will report on it. I'm starting to get concerned. You know, if you tell me you're going to spend the week in Stay Road, I have no problem with that. But you're telling me you're going to Sweden, I'm starting to worry a little bit, if you know what I mean. It'll be well protected, I assure you. <laughs> I hope so. Um, and finally, Malcolm, finally, finally, am I irresponsible to continue to recommend to everybody as rockets fall on Israel to go to Israel as soon as possible to show solidarity, to spend money, and to enjoy all those wonderful places in Israel which you can go to without any problems at all? The airlines are flying. Hotels are open, beckoning. The weather is great. Yom Tovim are coming. There's every reason in the world for people to want to go. That I hope the children who are going to Yeshivot go. Uh, oh, yeah, boy. I didn't even think of that. Wait a second. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think of that, that there's... That there may be people actually who are debating with their kids if they should go for the year. Oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta think of a whole speech about this now for next week. No, they do. We, I know the number of calls I get. Oh no, I hope people aren't considering not going. The 
right way, and and uh, I think the evidence is that they are. You know that the educational institutions in Israel nowadays, maybe it was different during the first and second intifada. I doubt it was. Maybe the impression was are really really well prepared for this stuff right now. Yes, and and most of Israel is not affected. You know the correct the, the, the where the yeshivas are in Yerushalayim and north of Yerushalayim and. Other places, I don't think you know. There may be some people who will be more reluctant to go to, to south, uh, to the south. But you know, the the people are learning. You go to yeshiva and stay wrote, It's busy. The guys are are, are learning, and and more people come there. So there, are, uh, the the people should not consider the message to their kids would be wrong. Um, again, uh, you know, nobody can tell not supposed to tell people what they should do, but right. what they should think about it. And when they make a decision, think of the consequences, think of the message. Think of what what are you telling HaKadosh Baruch who has given us this land and said you have a chance and a right to reestablish and have a Jewish state. Look at what's happening in Europe. Think of, of all the other places. You think it's safer to send a kid to learn in Paris <laughs> stay in London? Never. They can't walk around with the yarmulke. You can't walk around with any Jewish symbolism. Uh, and and uh, what's happening on uh, our campuses here. So... I would tell people, think about it very carefully, but I hope that you'll make the right decision and think of the message, what the chinuch of your kid is, if you tell him that when uh, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu taught us then, taught it to to the people who thought uh, that they could stand on the sidelines, when we all become victims, that's what this battle of uh, BDS, etc., is telling them, we don't mean them. We mean you. Yeah. We mean all of you. And then we have to do our part, and part of our part is to make our voices heard, to write congressmen and senators. They're still home on vacation. I hope everybody has met with theirs, and inviting them to the synagogues and to communities and keep hitting away on the issues that we discuss, demand that they uh, you know, continue the arms and question the arms sales to Qatar and to Iraq or to, to rather to uh, Lebanon. Uh, I think... Fighting ISIS is very important right now oh, yeah. in the war. This is all coming, as we told for years. It's all of one piece. It's one battle. It's a fight for the future of the world. Israel carried that battle alone for more than four decades, carried the war on terrorism, five decades even. And the whole world didn't appreciate it. All they did was condemn Israel when they carried the whole burden now, and they kept saying, everybody will face this. Everybody will face it. Now there's no country that doesn't face it. I thought it would be a relaxing August weekend. Now I have to prepare a whole rant about uh, going to Yeshiva in Israel. (laughs) There's no rest. There's no rest, Malcolm. We're in the middle of a war, Malcolm. There's no rest. (laughs) We will speak, Bezrat Hashem, next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you. And I want to wish a mazel tov to my son on the forthcoming marriage of Michal to Amiel Chichpartich. Mazel tov. Enjoy the wedding. It'll be down in Baltimore. God willing. Enjoy. We'll speak to you next week. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Thought I had a little free time this weekend. Told Mr. Honline reminded me that it's Rosh Chodesh Elul this coming week. Anybody out there who's considering not sending their kid to Israel, email me. Just email me. Promise me before you make any final decision, you email me. See, I'm of the opinion that any alteration in our plans of any type, and I mean from the smallest to the largest, is caving into terrorism.
that's my I'm I'm not any more brave or courageous than anybody else, folks. Although I do like when people think that if I'm going to Israel it's safe enough for them to go. That's that's a good myth, which I would love to continue. But um and I'll keep going if, if not only for that reason. But um any movement that we make, that we adju- any adjustment that we make in our lives out of this type of fear is, as far as I'm concerned, is caving into terrorism. So, yeah, you can cave into terrorism thousands of miles away. You don't have to be there on the spot to cave into terrorism.